Good morning, everybody. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to start this new series that Chris talked about, Unknown God. And as we begin, let me ask a question. I don't want you to answer out loud, but I'd like you just to process. How would you answer the question that was proposed in that video? Who is God? As you can tell watching that video, there's a whole bunch of different answers out there. Some people say, you know what? There is no God. Some people say, I'm not sure that I can know there's a God. There are people who say, you know, God exists somehow in this Trinity relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and and God the Holy Spirit. And uh, even though that's what Christianity teaches, there are many Christians that say, you know what, like, I know that Christianity teaches that, but I'm not really sure what that means or how to understand that or how to explain that. And when we zero in on that concept and we look at Jesus, it seems like we know the most about Jesus. We know less about God the Father, other than maybe he was the angry God of the Old Testament who needed a time out. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we seem to know even less about the Holy Spirit. And there seem to be some Christian circles that seem to, to know a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and interact with him. There's a whole bunch of, of Christians that, that don't know much about the Holy Spirit. So if you were to answer this question, just kind of rhetorically, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Who's the Holy Spirit? There are people who say the Holy Spirit is the force, the supernatural force that God sends into the world, kind of like in Star Wars. And there are people who say the Holy Spirit is God's spirit, similar to us. We have a spirit, and yet that spirit is not separate from God in any way. And then there are people that say, you know what? The Holy Spirit is a real being that we can have a real relationship with. So who is the Holy Spirit? So that's why we're going to start a series today called Unknown God to try to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is and and what he can really do in our lives. So if you are a note taker, I encourage you to get paper out, pen out, get your phone out and take notes, not only today, but take notes all throughout this series because we're going to cover a whole lot of information. And instead of you looking back to today going like, I'm not sure what the bald guy said, then you'll have some notes that you can hold on to and, and come back to. So I encourage you to be taking notes throughout this series. Now today, I'm going to take us to the first place in the Bible where the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And it's in Genesis chapter one. Actually, Tim had us there two weeks ago. Tammy had us there last week. We're gonna start there again today. So Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God. So before there was a beginning, there was a God. And when God decided to create a beginning, he created, created the heavens and the earth. And verse two says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then verse three, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And all throughout Genesis chapter one, whenever God said something, it happened. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be animals, there was animals. And land, there was land. And people, there were people. And, and God said, let there be sky, and there was sky. And I, I think we need to hold on to that truth today, knowing that when God says something, 
it'll happen. So in your life, in my life, we can hold on to that truth. It may not happen when we want. It may not happen how we want. But when God says something, that thing will happen. Now, in verse 26, we get an interesting twist to this story. It says this. It says, this is God speaking. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So in verse 1 of Genesis 1, we see God at work in creation. In verse 2, we see the spirit of God at work in creation. In verse 26, we understand there's a plurality to God, even though we don't fully understand what that means yet. Now we're going to move over to John chapter 1, because John chapter 1 is an extension of Genesis chapter 1. So listen to what John chapter 1 says. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Does anybody know who the word is? Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Verse 14 tells us that the word is Jesus. So at creation, at the beginning, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all together working for us to be able to see everything we see and all the things we don't yet understand and know about creation. And that is called the Trinity relationship. Now, when it comes to the Trinity, there is much confusion out there. Uh, There are some people who believe, well, that must mean that we serve three gods. And yet scripture is clear about this. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we serve one God. And there are people that say, okay, well, if that means we serve one God, then that means God must be a shapeshifter, like one of those mutants out of uh, the X-Men, that when God came to earth, he became Jesus, he shapeshifted into Jesus, and then when Jesus left the earth, he shapeshifted into the Holy Spirit, so God must be a shapeshifter. That belief system is called modalism, and it is not an accurate understanding of the Trinity. So I think Matthew chapter three gives us the best picture of the Trinity relationship. And Matthew three centers on Jesus' baptism. So listen to what verse 16 says. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So at Jesus' baptism, like at the beginning of creation, we see God the Father, we see God the Son, we see God the Holy Spirit all working together as one God. We've got three distinct beings and yet one God. Now, we all kind of scratch our heads and go, okay, like, I don't know if I fully grasp that. And um, pastors have been trying for a very long time to help us all understand uh, the Trinity a little bit better. And they've used all kinds of illustrations. Um, Anybody heard the water illustration? The different types of water, different forms of water, it can help us understand um, who, who God is and how God exists in the Trinity. So we've got water, it can be in a, a liquid form, it can be in a solid form, it can be in a gas form. 
Uh, I've heard pastors use an egg as an illustration, saying we've got the shell of the egg, we've got the, the white part of the egg, we've got the yellow part, the yolk part of the egg, which you know, a lot of people kind of discard uh, you know, anyway, but that use an egg as an illustration. I've actually heard pastors use a banana as an illustration. To, anybody heard of the banana illustration for understanding the Trinity? Maybe I'm the only one. Okay, awesome. So you're probably thinking like, there's two parts to a banana, the outside, the inside. Like, where do we get the third part? If you open a banana and if you look down at the top of it, you'll recognize that it separates into three parts. So that's how people have used that as an illustration. Now, here's what we have to understand when we're going to try to use illustrations to understand the Trinity, to understand God. All of our illustrations will fall short. All of them. Our mere words cannot fully describe who God is. It's just not possible. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. That doesn't mean scripture doesn't give us some good solid evidence for us to learn and grow in in our understanding of who the Trinity is. So what I'm about to do is I'm about to give you what I think is the best illustration that I've come across to help us understand the Trinity. And you may listen to it and go, well, that's not helpful to me at all. That's all right. This will be another one of those, uh, those things that I think can help us in our knowledge or learning, growing knowledge when it comes to understanding the Trinity. So we're going to do that with this picture. So um, you may first recognize that that is the exact same shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> it is. Somebody in the first service, actually several people after the first service said, did you realize you're wearing the same shirt? I said, I do now. I, I, I do now for sure. So um, I've actually taken that shirt off since that picture was taken. And this is like, you know, it's fresh and clean. So when you look at this picture, this is a picture of me. It's a picture of my wife. It's a picture of my daughter, Annie. And we have uh, six in our family. My wife and I have four kids. And uh, my oldest daughter got married. So we have seven in our family. And we found out we've got a grandbaby coming. So we got eight in our family. So it's kind of exciting. So when you look at this picture, though, how many people do you see? Great. It's not a trick question. There are three people. Really, there are people in the background, but there are three in in the forefront. So three people there. How many families do you see? There's one family. I think that's how God exists in the Trinity relationship. I think the Godhead exists in a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we look at that, you would not look at this picture and say that my wife is me, or I'm my daughter. Like, we wouldn't say any of that. We'd say, yeah, we know you're three separate beings. When it comes to God, God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. They are distinct in role and function, and yet so united in purpose, in essence, in in how they think, in what their plan is in the world. They make up one Godhead or one God family. Now, I hope that helps us to understand the Trinity a little bit more. If it does not, Talk to Chris, the guy who did the announcements this morning, and he will answer it for you. He will help you understand it. Obviously, that was a joke. Thanks for one, people, one person laughing at it. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to now zero in a little bit more on the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, 
and his role that he plays in our lives. So listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, and he's speaking to his disciples. So put yourself in that spot. Put yourself in the spot of one of Jesus' disciples and process what you would be thinking as you hear Jesus say this. So in verse five, he says, now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Now, let me pause there for a minute. If we're one of Jesus' closest disciples, are we thinking, you know, it's probably best that Jesus goes away? Like, no, we're thinking, Jesus, are you kidding me? You are God in the flesh. Like, we understand you're the savior of the world. We want you here. We need you here. How in the world could it be best for us that you leave? But Jesus continues. He says, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, we're going to find out in just a minute that the advocate is the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes that very clear. But I want you to notice a few things out of what Jesus just said. Number one, I want you to notice that Jesus referenced the Holy Spirit as a him, as a divine being. He didn't say, I'm going away and I'm going to send the force to you. He said, I'm going away and I'm going to send him to you. So he's a real being we can have a relationship with. And then Jesus called him the advocate. So I'm going to send the advocate to you. And the word advocate comes from the Greek word paraclete. And paraclete can have several different meanings. So it can mean encourager or it can mean comforter. And I'm just curious this morning, is there anybody here that could ever use a little encouragement, a little comfort in your life? Yeah, so if you don't have your hand up, we all envy the life that you have. Apparently your life is awesome. Um, But for the rest of us, that's what the Holy Spirit can do for us. The Holy Spirit can encourage us. The Holy Spirit can comfort us in those moments when we need that. But those aren't the strongest definitions of the word paraclete. The stronger definition of that word is a defense attorney in a court of law, someone who will legally represent you. So it's as if somebody is suing you and the Holy Spirit says, I'll defend them in court. I will stand up and defend them. So you're going to laugh at this next picture, but this is what I think of when I think of the word advocate and paraclete. All right. So that picture is a billboard of some law firm up in Jacksonville. And when I'm driving up I-95 and I see that, I think that's the guy I want representing me in court. Like, I want that guy. He's going to roll up his sleeves and looks like physically fight for me. And that's what I, I want. I don't want somebody who might be able to fight for me. I want somebody who will fight for me. And I think that helps us understand how the Holy Spirit inter- interacts with us. So I think the Holy Spirit rolls up his sleeves and he strongly defends us in the greatest lawsuit that's ever happened on planet Earth. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you and I are wrapped up in the center of a lawsuit that happens every day. You and I are being sued. Somebody's suing us. Revelation chapter 12 tells us who our prosecuting attorney is. So listen. Verse 10 says, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, speaking about Christ followers, accuses them before God day and 
night. So our prosecuting attorney, someone that Tammy referenced last week, is Satan himself. And I don't know what you believe about Satan, whether you believe he's a real being or just kind of a made-up figure that religious leaders kind of came up with to keep people in line. But scripture teaches he is a real being and he hates us. And one of his names is the accuser and he accuses us on a regular basis. He didn't start that way though. Uh, He started his existence as an angel of light. His name was Lucifer. And get this contrast. This is a kind of an amazing contrast. So we look at the Trinity relationship. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then we understand that scripture teaches that Lucifer was created as one of three archangels. So we have Lucifer, we have Michael, and we have Gabriel. But Lucifer did not like his position. Lucifer did not want to be one of the three. He wanted to be the one. And he didn't want to just be the one over other angels. He wanted to be the one over God himself. He wanted to set his throne above God's throne. And God said, uh-uh, we're not doing that here. So he got a demotion from the angel of light to a fallen angel, and he got a name change from Lucifer to Satan, which means adversary. And Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan accuses us every day before God, and he tries to convince God that our sin is so bad, we deserve eternal punishment. And the sad thing is that Satan is right. So listen to Romans 3, 23. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So whether we sin in small ways or big ways, we all fall short of God's perfect standard. Standard And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin or the penalty of sin, any sin, is death. So we all deserve to die. And every day, Satan reminds God of that when he accuses us before him. And every day, Satan reminds us of that. So if you're a Christ follower... Every day, Satan comes into your life and whispers to you and says something along these lines, especially when you sin. He says, I can't believe that you did that. I can't believe that you just sinned. If you were a real follower of Jesus, you wouldn't do that. So like, God is so disappointed in you. If you aren't a Christ follower, Satan tries to prevent you from becoming one and says, like, why would you think God would want a relationship with you? You're not all that spiritual. You're not spiritual enough. You're not good enough. So why are you even trying to have a relationship with him? You've messed up way too many times. And I don't know if you've experienced Satan whispering stuff to you like that. I'm pretty sure you have. I experience that on a regular basis. Satan often will come and whisper in my ear, do you remember what you did 25 years ago? That was so stupid. Like, how could you think you could ever, like, live that down? Do you remember what you did last week? Do you remember how you interacted with your wife? Do you remember when you blew up at her? Like, a fully devoted follower, a fully devoted pastor would not behave that way. You're such a failure. You're not a good enough father. You're not a good enough friend. You're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough leader. You're not a good enough pastor. If we listen to Satan, our accuser, too often, 
it gets a little depressing. And he tries to crush us with his accusations. But before we get depressed, before we allow his words to crush us, listen to who our advocates are. Listen to who our defense attorneys are. So we are already understand that the Holy Spirit is one. Listen to what the Holy Spirit does. In Romans 8, 26, it says, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the Holy Spirit is one of our defense attorneys and he pleads for us before God every day. And then listen to 1 John 2, 1. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. And we could say, yeah, we understand the Holy Spirit is our advocate. But John says, no, he is, but we've got another one. And who is that? According to this verse, Jesus Christ he is our advocate. He is the one who is truly righteous. So let me set the scene for us this morning. You and I are on trial for the sins that we've committed, whether big or small. We are standing before God the Father, who is our judge. Then we have our accuser, Satan, and he has more than enough evidence to convict us. Then we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit our defense attorneys pleading to God on our behalf. So who do you think God the Father is going to listen to in this lawsuit? If you are thinking he's going to listen to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you are right and you win the prize. The prize this morning is truth that can transform our lives. That's why Romans 8.1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. You have not been declared guilty. You've been declared righteous. Wow. If that doesn't blow your mind, it blows my mind on a regular basis. That's what makes Christianity so amazing. When we could not win the case that was set against us, the Holy Spirit and Jesus stepped up and said, I'll be their defense attorney. I will fight for them. I will plead on their behalf before God. So the next time Satan comes along and whispers anything to you, just remind him who your defense attorneys are. Remind him who's rolling up their sleeves to strongly defend you and to strongly support you. Now I'm going to tell you a goofy story that kind of helps me envision how the Holy Spirit defends me in my life against my accuser, Satan. And this story goes back to the fun days that I had in middle school. So uh, middle school, yeah, most of us, unless you're in middle school right now, most of us are like, those were really fun days. Glad they're over. Um, glad to be away from that. But um, when I was in middle school, I went to a large uh, public school. And it was down outside of Orlando. And in middle school, I was not the tall, muscular man that you see before you today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're laughing. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of a small guy, but back then it was even smaller, kind of the scrawny guy. But I was the kid in school that some other kids liked to pick on and uh, liked to bully. And so I understand a little bit about that experience. One day I was in PE class 
And that's the environment we know that no bullying ever happens, like, right? Like, we know that. So I'm in PE class, and we're all out around the track. I don't know where the teacher was, no idea, but the teacher wasn't there. And a big, bigger kid decided he was going to pick on me. And he was having fun pushing me around, and he was just enjoying it because nobody was around there, and all the other kids were a little bit afraid of him because he was a big kid. And I was, you know, doing my best to tolerate that. And then all of a sudden, this bigger kid jumped between me and him, grabbed the big kid by his collar, lifted him up a little bit, and said, don't you ever mess with Trent again. He pushed him away from me. And I'm sitting there going like, wow, (laughs) there is a God, and he loves me today. Wow, this is so great. And guess what? I never had any problems with that big kid after that the rest of the year. No problems at all. And the bigger kid, he became my friend. Like, I'm like, man, I like that guy. He's awesome. He's my advocate. He's my defender. He's my paraclete. I didn't even know what paraclete was back then, but I was so excited to think about this guy. And that guy became my friend throughout middle school and high school. And I have no idea why he did that for me. None. But I'm so grateful that he stepped in in that moment. And then I step back from that and I think, you know what? The Holy Spirit is our advocate. And the Holy Spirit steps in between us and our accuser, grabs him by the collar, lifts him up and says, don't you ever mess with them again and pushes him away. So I got to ask, why would you listen to your accuser anymore? Why wouldn't you listen more to your advocate, to your defense attorney, to the one who will roll up his sleeves and strongly defend you and strongly support you. Now, that's not only what the Holy Spirit does for us. So listen to what Jesus says in John 16, verse 8. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment, like saying like, hey, God is going to render a verdict one day. Who is, is going to be representing you? Is it going to be me and the Holy Spirit? Or are you just stuck with no representation when the, the prosecuting attorney is accusing you before God? And then in verse 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future, and he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So this morning, we've learned that the Holy Spirit can convict us of sin, and that's not a a sentence of judgment. That is just a, a prodding of the Spirit when he says, like, hey, if you're not living in line with God's will, there's a little prodding that comes along that says, like, hey, like get back in line with God's will. Deal with that thing in your life. So he convicts us, he comforts us, he encourages us, he guides us into all truth, tells us about the future, reminds us of what Jesus has done, and then he rolls up his sleeves to fight for us and strongly defend us. And so when I think about that and I think about Jesus saying, it's good for you that I go away because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you, I'm like, wow, that makes a little bit more sense to me. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit and what he can do in our lives. But that's not all that the Holy Spirit does. There is more that the Holy Spirit can do for us on a daily basis. But you're going to have to come back next week because this is just part one. And there's a whole lot more for us to talk about in this series. So what I hope you'll do today is I hope that you'll stop by our Connection Center before you leave. I hope you'll pick up a copy of our Spiritual Growth Challenge 
And on that, we've got some great resources there, some suggested Bible readings and some book recommendations that can help us all just take a few steps in understanding the Holy Spirit a little bit more and his role in our lives. And I I encourage you to come back next week. So we're going to keep learning more about the Holy Spirit. Invite somebody to come back with you as well. Now, as we close today, our worship team is going to sing a new song for us. And this new song is called Fighting for Us. And I came across it, I don't know, about a month ago or so, and I've just been listening to it a lot lately in context of this message and, and thinking about what the Holy Spirit does for us. And uh, I just thought, man, this would be a great song for us to end with today. So if you're in a spot where you're saying, you know, like I'm in a spot where I need the Holy Spirit to defend me. Like I'm being beat down. I'm I'm listening to the accuser way too much and I'm discouraged. I'm at a point of despair. I hope this morning that you will envision the Holy Spirit stepping between you and your accuser, grabbing him by the collar saying, leave them alone. Don't mess with them anymore. And then I hope that you'll spend more time listening to the Holy Spirit instead of your accuser. So if you would, just join me in that quick word of prayer. God, I'm so grateful for the truth of scripture that we can know, even in moments where we're not really sure about something. And we talk about the Trinity relationship, and God, I I see it all throughout scripture, and yet there are moments we're a little bit confused by it. And yet, God, I don't think you want us to be confused by it. You want us to understand it as best we can, and you want us to understand each member of the the Trinity relationship and uh, what they can do for us in our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for the truth of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit so that we could possibly have a relationship with him and that he could be our advocate and that he could step between us and our accuser and defend us and plead for us before you, our heavenly father. So Lord, I I know that today there could be some people here just kind of in a rough spot. They feel beaten down. They feel depressed. They feel discouraged at at a moment of despair probably because they've been listening to the accuser for way too long. And Lord, I pray that today they would understand who their advocates are and what their advocates have done for them. And I pray that they would take steps in getting to know their advocates better. So I pray that you would do that for us in this series as well. Teach us how to live in a a relationship with uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit what they can do in our lives. Thank you for being a God who will roll up your sleeves and fight for us. In Jesus' name we say, amen.